This is the Monday, August 31st, 2015 episode of the History Author Show. Visit our iHeartRadio channel or subscribe on iTunes to enjoy a brand new episode every Monday morning. Oh, New York ain't New York anymore. How I miss those old towns of mine. The sawdust is gone from the floor. Where we harmonize, sweet Adeline. On the east side, west side, things ain't like before. There are tears in the eyes of the regular guys. Oh, New York ain't New York anymore. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The History Author Show. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm your host, Dean Carianis, but this show is not a one-man band, and is any show, of course not. It's always a collaborative, creative effort, and I'm going to be featuring interviews by various correspondents who may be more familiar with an author's subject matter, say, or closer to the action, so to speak. The first of these correspondents you already know, at least by her voice. Her name is Amanda Reed, and she's on the line now. Hi, Amanda. Hey, Dean. I'm so excited to be here. Online, anyway. (laughs) Yes, at the end of the magical wire. (laughs) So tell listeners exactly where you're calling us from today. Hmm, Under the hills and over the hills. I'm not talking about the Shire, though. Fair Hills Farm, some hideout between Lincoln and Talladega, Alabama. According to the post office, it's Ohatchee, the hometown of Tom Sims. If you don't know who that is... He's our claim to fame, co-author of the Popeye comic strip. Yeah, he actually based his characters on Ohachi residents. I wonder if I remind people of a Popeye character. <laughs> Sims had some long-distance deal with King Feature Syndicate, so I'd say we have a habit of doing things long-distance out here. <laughs> I don't think you're much of an olive oil. I think you'd need to be a lot taller and string beanier. But <laughs> I guess, uh, hey, maybe, maybe that's where she was. Do you think he based her on that? I can't imagine. Yeah, it's funny how that happened. Popeye was actually based on someone on the Coosa River, and he ended up changing him to a sailor man. So, interesting. (laughs) At Rutgers University, our big cartoon character from those days is Mr. Magoo, of course. Mr. Magoo is a loyal Rutgers man, and every now and then you'll see a sign in the crowd at a football game holding up Mr. Magoo. So, considering how... Rutgers played for a long, long time there, except when we won that first football game ever played, first college football game, which (laughs) I'm obligated by the Rutgers Alumni Association to mention that we won over Princeton. (laughs) Except for that, I think being nearsighted until recent years would have been kind of a blessing watching Rutgers play. (laughs) And let's get this out of the way right now. Amanda Reed. Reed is your real name, is it not? Believe it or not, that's my real last name, R-E-A-D, Reed. Now, some have mistaken it for a pen name, but no, it's not me trying to be cute. That's Reed, as in Deborah Reed Franklin, okay. the one who laughed at her future husband, Benjamin Franklin, when she saw him running away from home. <laughs> I always wonder if I'm related because I laugh at weird things. Like me. Oh, well, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Lady Elizabeth Reed Norris, who might have been the only woman to receive a marriage proposal from Sir Isaac Newton. Oh, so now we're getting. There's definitely got to be a connection there. Yeah, now we're getting somewhere, yeah. Amanda has a huge crush on Isaac Newton, and I, she sits under apple trees just waiting for the moment an apple will fall on her just so she'll feel a little closer to him. And he was quite a handsome young man in his day, wasn't he? Yeah, I was just born a few centuries too late and on the other side of the pond. And- 
Then there's an READ read on the Constitution and Declaration of Independence as well. So I can't imagine you'd have any trouble remembering how my name is spelled now, right? Yeah. <laughs> the most arcane <laughs> examples. Just start one day calling yourself Red. Just tell people, no, when I leave, I'll be the past tense. So <laughs> yeah, some maybe people after. actually wondered about that pronunciation too. But yeah. Nope. I have a pretty long name, so I'm desperately jealous of anybody with a nice, short, regular word as a name. <laughs> Think of Kathy, my poor wife, trying to learn to spell that one. She went from a nice, short Irish name that everybody knew to a really long name that is so easy. I estimate one out of every 500 times I misspell it myself. So it's okay. It's okay. But Reed is a good, solid name. And I think that's going to look great on a book cover someday. Amanda yeah. is a budding history author in her own right, which is one reason that she's on board. She just really impressed me in my usual travels, doing things in radio and TV and writing. So tell people a little bit about your background. Well, in terms of my history writing background, you can probably kind of tell there was a time when I was interested in being a scientist. And I found myself perhaps a bit more cut out for writing the stories of scientists, which has led to some biographical studies, one of which has led me recently to collaborate with the Indiana Historical Society on their upcoming Indiana Bicentennial book. My chapter is about USDA Chief Chemist Harvey Wiley, who helped pioneer the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906. And he was quite the Renaissance man, very interesting, relatively lesser known character, and I studied history and political science at Jacksonville State University and Troy University. I graduated from Troy in 2013 with a degree in history. And I really want to make history movies, biopics, costume dramas, biblical epics, that sort of thing. I want to bring history alive on the screen because I think that's one of the, <laughs> the benefits of, um, I mean, if you're going to make a movie, why not recreate something we don't get to see every day? So good attention to so detail and find lesser known stories. So what do you have against radio? You don't need pictures. If you're a skilled writer, you will paint pictures with your words. It'll yeah. be very easy. I've tried doing a little bit of that for you, haven't I? Yes, you have. You've done some great voiceover stuff for us over the years. You were our Dolly Madison voice on a show that I did, and you read some historic diaries. For instance, the Alexandria, Virginia diaries of watching the burning of Washington from across the Potomac. So that was great. You brought that to life and you were able to do Dolly's accent, or at least what we think she sounds like very well. You're pretty good at them. And I want to point out to people, you don't have what I think people would think somebody from Alabama sounds like. So how would you describe your accent? Well, it's funny. Some people outside of the South think I sound Southern, but people in the South tell me I don't sound like I'm from around here. And I, I think my accent is fairly neutral American with a southern twang here and there. But see, I was an army brat, so most of my formative years were spent in New York and overseas, actually. Aha. Uh -huh. I guess I ought to sound transatlantic. Yeah, that was a great <laughs> accent. I'd love to just do a show on that, how they used to have it in movies, because nobody ever <laughs> yeah. really spoke that way. It was just how they figured it would sound neutral, and they constructed yeah, that it. that transition from theater to yep. radio, drama, and film. And in the early days of radio and television, and well, movies rather, first, of course, that sounded good to a mic. So they'd rather have you talk like that and they could pick it up. Hello there, Amanda. How are you doing today? Right. Nobody ever really spoke like that, but we get that impression in our minds. So I wanted to move on from that now that people know a little bit about you, Amanda. This is your first interview, a brief one because it's a kid's book. But tell us a little bit about this history author you're going to bring to us. Well, 
Jim Leake, I love that Jim wrote a history novel for his grandchildren, and he approached it just as seriously as any research subject, actually traveling the route the character takes in the Civil War novel. Jim Leake was born and raised in the Midwest. After serving in the U.S. Navy, he attended journalism school at The Ohio State University on the GI Bill and began his writing career as a reporter, columnist, and sports writer. He now works in communications and advertising with clients across North America and worldwide. You may remember his name from our very first episode when we discussed Jim's book, Nine Innings for the King, The Day Wartime London Stopped for Baseball, July 4th, 1918. We'll have that full interview for you in November, but for now, here's a short clip of Jim Leake talking about this amazing story and how it helped ensure that the U.S. and U.K. entered the 20th century as friends, not enemies. On a sunny 4th of July during World War I, King George V went out to a ball game. Along with Queen Mary and other royalty, Winston Churchill, dozens of VIPs, thousands of troops and ordinary Londoners, the monarch chaired an extraordinary baseball match between American soldiers and sailors. This historic event helped solidify the transatlantic alliance that was vital to winning the war. The game itself was a thriller reported throughout the English-speaking world. The players ranged from kids fresh off the sandlots to a handful of major and minor leaguers and a future Hall of Famer. The two veteran pitchers went the distance, the outcome in doubt until the last batter. Drawing on American and British sources and game day coverage, this first ever full account of The King's Game records every play and explores the lives of several players. It also provides a brief history of the Anglo-American Baseball League and Armed Forces Baseball played in England, France, and the United States during the Great War. Again, the book is Nine Innings for the King, the day wartime London stopped for baseball, July 4th, 1918. Jim Leake is the creative director of Taillight Communications and contributes to Sabre. That's the Society for American Baseball Research. And we mentioned his work as a columnist. He was also a sports writer. Jim has written or edited several books on American and military history, including the Civil War and Naval Days Gone By. You can follow Jim Leake at samsleague.blogspot.com and on Twitter at 9inningsforking. That's the numbers 9 and 4, 9inningsforking. Okay, and we mentioned the Civil War here, so moving right along, that leads us nicely into the book Amanda spoke to Jim Leake about. This is the children's book we mentioned. It's called Maddie Boy, a Civil War novel for young readers. And I thought you were better for this, Amanda, than I would be because of where he comes from, your past as an army brat, the eight younger siblings that you have. I mean, <laughs> this is just amazing, I think, to people nowadays. The Bradys seem like a lot, and I guess maybe the Partridge family. Eight is enough, I guess. You probably hear that a lot. But you have a baseball team worth of kids, and you are the oldest one. So you have a big farm there, I guess. Oh, yeah. Alabama, it's a lot of right? fun. My sister, Abigail Reed, is a photographer, and she made a good observation saying the cover photo for a book like this is important not only for the first impression, but also for the face it adds to the character. When reading the book, the reader will be flipping back to the cover to get help imagining the story of the boy. The simple documentary feel of the photo they picked works well, even if it was from a different time because of the intense and honest expression of the boy. And I, I enjoyed sharing this, some of this uh, novel with my younger siblings who enjoy listening to read aloud and 
I thought it was neat to see how they really get intrigued by the detail. You know, the more visual detail you put into a story that really makes you feel like you're there, they love that. And they, they ask questions about it and they want to know more about the time in the story when they hear that. Yeah. And you said about being visual. Abigail is 18 now, so she's beyond the age of Maddie Boy. But we asked her about that photograph and she just thought it was great. And it really is a great photo, but it's not a photograph of a Civil War child. It's from somebody later. Tell the story of that photograph. Oh, it's a it's a photo by Dorothea Lange, shot in 1939 during the Great Depression. The face of Matty Boy is a migratory boy in a squatter camp harvesting hops in Washington State's Yakima Valley. And so is this tow-headed kid with a very serious expression. The quote included on the photograph is by the boy's mother. She said, you'd be surprised what that boy can pick. Yeah, and Jim said that he liked the photo because you could tell the kid had been through a lot. And this is 1930s, so this is a program of the New Deal. He's living in the Great Depression there. And so it's a tough time for him. And it really brings it to life. And I, I yeah. enjoyed and, just looking at the picture. Yeah, you really see a a maturity in these young faces because they've seen so much. So it, it yeah, it suddenly reminds you of how much they went through at such a young age. Maddie Boy, you have here, is a 12-year-old boy in the story accompanying his Civil War colonel father. And the route of their march, which, as you will hear in the interview, Jim traveled himself, takes Maddie and the reader from Ohio down south towards Charleston, South Carolina. And the song you'll hear playing in the background is Marching Through Georgia. Henry Clay Work wrote the song late in the Civil War, to immortalize William Tecumseh Sherman's march to the sea and capture of Savannah, Georgia, just before Christmas 1864. Okay, here's Amanda's interview with Jim Leake. I'm joined now by Jim Leake, author of Maddie Boy, a Civil War novel for young readers. Thank you for making time to talk with the History Author Show, Jim. Well, thank you. Now, tell us a little about this story that begins in 1864, Ohio. It's a Civil War story that I wrote originally for my granddaughters, who were fairly young at the time. And it's based on actual events. I had an earlier book called 100 Days to Richmond, and this is one of the episodes in there. Oh, and was that a novel or a narrative history? No, it was a nonfiction. It was a compilation of materials from diaries, letters, newspapers, that sort of thing, about uh, a group of Ohio regiments called the 100 Days Men. Essentially, they were Ohio National Guardsmen who were federalized in the spring of 1864. When I read this book aloud to children, their first questions are usually, was Maddie a real person? And isn't 12 years old too young to be a servant to a colonel? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Maddie was not a real person, but he's not unlikely either. There are any number of instances where federal officers, or Confederate officers for that matter, took servants with them and in some cases took children with them. In fact, General Grant had one of his sons at Vicksburg. Right, it really reminds us that the composite face of the Civil War was pretty young, off and on the battlefield. Even though I think for some soldiers there was, an, or in some areas, um, a recruiting age requirement, maybe around 17 or 18. I remember a story actually from the life of Harvey Wiley, a chief chemist who 
experienced joining one of the Indiana regiments. And when he enlisted, and there was an age requirement, I think about 17, and he was younger than that. But when he arrived, they decided that he looked tall, robust enough to join, even though he was certainly not going to lie about his age. <laughs> That's right. The, uh, the age requirements were very often overlooked, especially if you looked older than your age. And there were any number of instances in the National Guard regiments where fathers and sons and even grandfathers all served together in the same companies. While this story is behind the scenes here, sort of, you know, behind the front lines in the battlefield, in a way, Maddie is seeing the front lines because the greatest toll on American lives in the Civil War was disease, which was happening off the battlefield. Very grim realities that someone even his age even in his position, would uh, have to witness. And I assume Drew from lots of primary source accounts on that as well. I did. The march that Maddie goes on with his father's regiment was, in fact, entirely based on a real march by an Ohio regiment. I changed the number, of course. But everywhere that Maddie goes, or nearly everywhere, this real regiment went. And there's quite a lot of material on that march. That's what I noticed, all the geographical depictions. Yeah, when I was getting ready to write it, or even a little before, I covered that entire route, both the actual route and at one point I deviate from true history and I followed that route as well. So it was very interesting to, to see the actual ground. So you actually traveled yourself this route? I did. I didn't walk it. I drove it. But oh, wow. I, yeah, I did travel the, the whole distance. Now, where can our listeners find Maddie Boy? Maddie Boy is a Kindle ebook, so you can find it on Amazon. Really, it was something of an experiment for me. And as I said, I wrote it for my granddaughters. So I, at the time, I wasn't really looking for a grand audience, though I was finding uh, quite a number of readers through uh, social media. So yeah, that's definitely um, a new and expansive way to spread literary content now to just be able to access it as a download. Yes. Now, in writing history for adults and writing history for children, what things technique-wise, style-wise, detail-wise really come to mind for you? Well, this is the only project I've ever written for children or young readers. So basically, I simplified the language and the structure. It was fairly easy, actually. So when I had the completed manuscript, at one point I went back through and broke up a number of sentences or paragraphs or scenes. I, I just simplified it. I made the, the language very straightforward, short, and direct. That technique works just as well for adult readers, too. I was, I was a little surprised when I went back and reviewed it recently. Yes, because there is just so much information, so much to take in, but when you really focus on depicting things in a, a visual way, especially, it sticks in people's minds and it makes them think about it. And how did you become a history author yourself? Through personal interest, really. I started out in journalism. I was a, a newspaper man for quite a few years. And then I drifted into uh, other areas of communication. My first book was actually a mystery novel. But after that, I sort of, by accident, drifted into history. I did a Civil War project, software project, with my brother. And that led me into other Civil War topics. And I kept finding interesting uh, stories. So I began to tell them in book form and in longer format. 
In recent years, I've moved on from the Civil War to uh, World War One. Dealing with writing about the Civil War, there's usually lots of controversy, especially today. People are concerned about being politically correct, not digging up certain things that are sensitive, even maybe being concerned about recording the original language the way people spoke back then. Have you ever received any feedback or ever dealt with the issues of sensitivity in writing about this topic? No, actually, I haven't. And Matty Boy, as I said, the, the language is fairly straightforward. I stayed away entirely from any inflammatory language. Right. But I didn't downplay anything either. It's all based on fact, on real events. So I didn't go out of my way to make anyone overly heroic, and I didn't go out of my way to make anyone overly negative or objectionable. I just tried to tell a straightforward story of a boy in a way that young people or adults would understand and appreciate. And this book is written in third person, and a lot of these sorts of novels are written in first person these days. Did you have any particular style preference in that? Was there a reason that you styled it sort of in, in a way that reminds me of older novels, the, the beginning of the chapters outlined sort of with a miniature content like I would see in Mark Twain's books? Right, right. The older books definitely were an influence and the chapter headings and, and the subject titles and that sort of thing. That's definitely a 19th century style. As far as third person, as I say, I came out of journalism. That's the way I learned to tell stories for the most part. And for the most part, it's the way I still do it. Yeah, and I think that that objective voices is really effective in depicting these stories in a memorable way. So thank you for Maddie Boy, a Civil War novel for young readers, and thank you for taking the time to talk with us about it. Thank you. And we're back in the studio, or at least I am, with Amanda on the end of the line. And I guess because I invoked the Brady Bunch, my voice there just <laughs> did the Peter Brady breaking. That <laughs> was kind of weird. It's time to change. But anyway, again, the book is called Maddie Boy, a Civil War novel for young readers by Jim Leake. You can get a look at the cover at our website, historyauthor.com. And if you go there, please click through and consider purchasing it because I think it's a really a way to bring young people into the Civil War when they have basically an avatar of themselves there that they can relate to. And you learn things like marches. Gosh, I, I didn't even want to walk to school when I was a kid, and that certainly wasn't all the way back in the Civil War. So I enjoyed that, and I really appreciate Jim sharing it with us. Yeah, I really appreciate Jim taking the time to talk with me about that. It's great to be able to share sort of hidden gems with people. And who spent any time looking at pictures from the Farm Security Administration in recent <laughs> times? So I lost about 20 minutes just checking the link that Jim was nice enough to send when he was telling me a little bit about the photograph. That's really something that adds to it. I, like I said, I love the old pictures, and I guess that's why you're going to leave radio eventually and join the fast-paced visual world of the talkies because you want to be able to share pictures with us. Exactly. Now, since we have a little more time here, let's tease another upcoming history author. His name is Simon Reed. 
Yes, we are full of reads today. That would be what? If you count your parents, 9, 10, 11 reads. Simon is another read, but no relation to you. There are some mm-hmm. reads out there. Same spelling, R-E-A-D. And his book is Winston Churchill Reporting, Adventures of a Young War Correspondent. It's not available on shelves until October 13th of 2015, although you can pre-order it if you're listening before that date. And this is a period that I just love of Churchill's life and a period I love in history. So it brings me great pleasure to be able to bring you a sneak peek of the great man before he was great. Again, Winston Churchill Reporting is the name of the book. And here's Simon Reed. Winston Churchill reporting covers a chapter of Churchill's life that takes place long before his finest hour as Britain's wartime leader. Between 1895 and 1900, Churchill worked as a correspondent for various London newspapers, and he covered wars of empire in Cuba and on India's northwest frontier, in the Sudan and South Africa. And he was just as likely to take part in active combat as he was to report on it. He thought nothing of his own personal safety. In fact, he takes part in one of the British Army's last great cavalry charges. So his adventures on the front line are always exciting and oftentimes horrific. And this period of Churchill's life is vital in shaping him into the larger-than-life icon that we remember him as today. Um, It shaped his complex views on war, it introduced him to the pleasures of cigars and whiskey, and most importantly, it saw him hone his incredible command of the English language. So the book follows Churchill's evolution from a junior army officer to a world-renowned war correspondent, and then eventually into the political figure that he becomes. And although the book has elements of history and biography, it is primarily an adventure story. When writing it, I described it to friends as Winston Churchill as Indiana Jones. And I think that you really can't fully appreciate Churchill's character until you have a deeper understanding of his adventures as a war correspondent. So I hope people read it. I hope they enjoy it. Thanks. That's Simon Reed, and the book is Winston Churchill Reporting, Adventures of a Young War Correspondent. You can learn more about the book at simon-reed.com or on Twitter by following at Simon Reed Books. Okay, you've met Amanda now. It's been my great pleasure to introduce her to you. You've heard her first interview there, and you can look forward to more of her and her laughter and fun in the months and years ahead. I want to thank Jim Leak, author of Maddie Boy, which I, again, urge you to check out, along with Nine Innings for the King over at historyauthor.com. And again, we're really looking forward to hearing about that work of adult nonfiction, a little more in our age group, Amanda, than Maddie Boy, I guess. And that's probably about it, except for thanking Simon Reed. There's so many reads to thank today, but that, that's probably enough reads. We've li- you listed a bunch of reads. You're a read. Simon's a read. Jim Leake gave us two great reads. That, that's a lot of reads for a book show. I think it's plenty. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the History Author Show. I hope you'll join us next Monday for another trip into the past here on iHeartRadio or wherever you're listening. And remember, if you do subscribe to us on iTunes, please leave a review. So until next Monday morning, I'm Amanda Reed. And I'm not a read at all, but I am a reader. (laughs) I'm Dean Carianis. Thanks so much for listening and happy reading. I get it. <laughs> and happy reading on the east side west 
sign Things ain't like before There are tears in the eyes Of the regular guys Oh, New York ain't New York anymore 